Um, so he's lying there. He's got bits of wood sticking out of him. He's screaming. Then I'm just lying on the on the deck on the velodrome. Like, there's no medals for getting up first. So I thought I'm just going to lie here. Thought I'll just make sure everything's in one piece. So then a woman come running over. So I stood up and she went, Are "You okay?" I went, "Yeah, yeah. I'm from Liverpool. I'm fine." <laughs> That's Dave Riddle, performance psychologist, elite cyclist, and a hell of a bloke from Liverpool with a great sense of humor. From Athlete.fm, this is On Your Mark, the backstory of an athlete's journey. I'm your host, Lou Dondero. We all had dreams as a child. Some of us wanted to be pop stars, Some want to be superheroes, an astronaut, a podcaster. Some dream of being a pro athlete, ballerina, race car driver, Olympian. The list can go on forever. But how many kids commit to a dream when they are 12 years old and hold on until it's accomplished? Not many. In fact, the statistics of making the Olympics is 636,000 to one. To win a gold medal, 22 million to one. Don't quote me on these numbers. It only took me 30 seconds to do a Google search, but it sounds good and you get the point. So my question, what Olympic sport did you dream about? That's the question I asked Dave. If street sweeping was a sport, I would have gone for that. So I didn't care. (laughs) Long long as you got there, it didn't matter what sport. I think they call it curling now, don't they? Is that it? Yeah, yeah. Winter lilies curl it. Yeah. would have gone for anything to be honest that was just that was it. i just want to go to the olympics i guess from being inspired watching it on the tv you know as a, as a kid at home and stuff so it was um I, I guess for me watching the 100 meters you know i was pretty quick but i wasn't quick enough it was like what, what else can i do I'll, I'll go down the list and see what other events there are i'll give that a go and to be fair i've tried pretty much every event <laughs> so it's uh yeah I, got, I found one that i could get to and major games on so it was yeah not through lack of trying i like dave the moment we started talking he reminds me of that friend in college that would stand by you no matter how wrong you were, you know, to keep you from being embarrassed in front of others, then take you in the back and slap some sense into you. That friend that would have your back in a fist fight, then buy everyone around a drinks. In other words, a true friend, a guy's guy. But what up what else about Dave's life makes this story so fascinating? His story starts with ripping his pictorial muscle off while training for the Commonwealth Games and how he still tries to to compete, throwing the shot put while holding his peck in place with his other hand. How determination, no matter the odds, can lead to success. With the story of his cycling and clocking such a slow time trial time that it's designated as a DNF, did not finish, and how Dave won a silver medal a year later. Dave does finally make it to the Olympics, but tragedy hits and leaves him with an experience he had not envisioned. And last, how Dave found true fulfillment in his quest for athletic greatness in an unlikely place. Dave's story is about not giving up and how delivering happiness while in the pits of your own hell can provide unforeseen opportunities. By the way, the book Delivering Happiness by Tony Shag is Dave's favorite book. So not, not not a soppy book, but what he was saying is basically, you know, being able to be positive and I guess that going an extra mile to people in terms of how that, I guess, karma, I guess it's based on karma in the sense of 
if you're good to people, you know, then in turn, they might not be good to you, but that'll come back and, you know, help you out. You'll make the connection of Dave in this book, Delivering Happiness, soon. But first, let's go back to how this whole dream started as a child. Dave remembers watching a TV program or movie about a scout coming over to the UK to recruit a high school kid to compete in college in the US. So yeah, going back to before my dream, when I was when I was a kid, I think I was I was watching a TV program um, back in the UK, like on high school, and this scout had come across in the States. And she's watching this guy doing some, he was doing some running on a track. I think she'd said, basically, I want to take you to the States on a scholarship. And I think I must have been about 12 or 13. And I thought, right, that's what I want to do. I want to go to America. And the way for me to do that, I thought, well, I'll throw a shot put. And that's, that was my dream, to go to the States. And I guess, I guess ultimately I wanted to go to the Olympic Games or Commonwealth Games, etc. So I come to, to America and thousands of good colleges. And there's some colleges, basically, that just kind of destroy you. And unfortunately, I ended up at one where I got destroyed, where I had a whole host of surgeries, elbow surgery, reconstructive hand surgery, knee surgery. Um, and that was all within like the first year. The system for some colleges is, you know, the input, the output, and then whoever kind of survival of the fittest comes out, which is, you know, you've got the numbers there to do it. So my body hadn't been prepared, I guess, to kind of put up with that kind of intense training. So, you know, I managed to deal with it and then you find ways around it and I threw PRs and put myself in, in track to go to Commonwealth Games back in 2002. I was at Nebraska competing. Then on the Monday afterwards, we were doing PRs in the weight room for bench press. So I think I lowered like about 425 pounds, tore my pec off. In other words, Dave ripped his pectoral muscle off bench pressing 425 pounds, meaning it was no longer attached to his sternum, his collarbone, the top of his abs, or his upper arm. And for your info, the pec is a very important muscle as it has several jobs, mostly involving shoulder movement and holding your arm on. This is a very gross injury on a lot of levels. There's horrible pain, the arm stops working properly, and many athletes who've had this injury say they actually heard the muscle tearing off when it happened. Which was fun. And this was about six, six, seven weeks before the Commonwealth Games trials back in the UK. So I've torn my pec off, then doing what I did, I just put some ice on my pec and then started doing some leg extensions. Thought, right, I've got to get, I've got to get healed. Um, cause I wanted to go to Commonwealth games that much. You know, I was just like, no matter what, I'm, I'm going to get better. Um, then like about three days later, I was out doing standing throws with my right arm, throwing the shot, but, but holding my pec in place as it was trying to knit itself back on. So I, I get back to the UK, done some decent training. Unfortunately, I only came, um, I think it was fifth at the Commonwealth Games trials. So after my dream, I thought that was it, you know, it was done. I'd give myself the best chance. Unfortunately, I got injured. Um, so yeah, for me, I thought, you know, that, that's, that was it, that had been and gone. But that was not the end. Dave took some time off to heal his injury and had surgery to reattach his pec. He finished his degree in psychology and moved back to the UK. Still determined to compete as an athlete on the world stage, Dave decides to try his hand in cycling, a sport he has absolutely no experience in, not even as a kid. So his first go-round was less than stellar. In fact, he was laughed at. However, he never gave up. I found a sport, which I thought would be easy, so I thought I'll take up cycling. 
So on this one particular day, I decided to go have a go with a time trial. It's basically you're on a bike against the clock over 10 miles, which seems easy enough. But having been, I think it was like 250 pounds, give or take, maybe bordering on 260. So I was, I was kind of heavy for cycling. But I thought, I'll give it a go. Um, so I set off on this time trial with all these cyclist guys. Um, gets to the end, which is the most gruesome pain I've ever been in. <laughs> it's like not like kind of jumping back across the back of a circle with a shot put, 16-pound shot put. Um, so I get to the end. At the end of the time trial, what you do is you hand in your number that you've put on your jersey, and then what they do is they'll put it onto the, the web that night with your time. Yeah. Um, so you get home, and I check the web. And I had a DNF next to my name, which meant did not finish. <laughs> so, so I was like, no, I did finish. I killed me, but I finished. Right. So, so that the next day, I think it was the Sunday, so I called the guy, I think, and I said, um, yeah, I was just checking. It, it says I didn't finish. I did have my number in, give it to the lady behind the desk. And the guy said, oh, right, no, we thought you you kind of, you must have had a puncture or, or something happened. I said, why is that? He said, well, you went that far past the hour. We thought you'd give up. So, so I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> I said, why? How far past the hour did I go? And he said, oh, I think it was an hour and 15 minutes you did for 10 miles. Now, I think people can run faster than that. <laughs> Somebody just on his joke and actually run faster than that for, yeah, for, for 10 miles. So, so, yeah, so that was the start of my, my uh, cycling career. So I knew from a, the beginning in 2008, I had a lot of work to do. Um, and I guess that kind of, kind of using my, I guess, resilience, psychology skills, you know, it's something where I thought, well, that's my starting point. So from, from I guess, that point onwards, I knew I had a lot of work to do. Um, and by, I think it was 2009, so the year after, I'd won a silver medal at the World Championships on tandem for Great Britain. Yeah, to, totally kind of chalk and cheese from where I, where I was to where I got to. It was just, a, you know, where I applied myself. Um, wasn't the most gifted cyclist in the world um, by any stretch of the imagination, but... In terms of, I guess, commitment and working hard, you know, that was something I was prepared to do. I draw so much inspiration from that statement. How many of us say we are prepared to do whatever it takes but fall short, sacrificing our long-term goal to satisfy a short-term need? Dave never gave up and finally achieved his dream of winning a silver medal in the world championships. And he's still going, hitting obstacles and overcoming them. Little did know, I guess, by luck or I guess just commitments and determination. You know, I was fortunate enough this year to qualify for the Commonwealth Games and compete in Glasgow. Um, although it wasn't all plain sailing. So 10 weeks before we had to do some trials just to get a time down on the boards in Manchester. So we'd done our, done our time, we qualified, so we'd do some training efforts. So we'd come and flying around on a tandem, 40 miles an hour, then the wheels blew out. So we crashed. So I go ski skidding into the banking, dragging my head along the floor, ripping into my skin suit. The guy come flying, catapult over the top of me. Um, so he's lying there. He's got bits of wood sticking out of him. He's screaming. Then I'm just lying on the on the deck, on the velodrome. Uh, there's no medals for getting up first, so I thought, I'm just going to lie here. I thought, I'll just make sure everything's in one piece. So then a woman come running over. So I stood up, and she went, are you okay? I went, yeah, yeah, I'm from Liverpool. I'm fine. <laughs> then the next minute, a helicopter... You heard a helicopter. So a helicopter lands and comes in because you do get some serious injuries there. So anyway, the guy got airlifted to the hospital. So he had a broken collarbone and five broken ribs. So I thought, gee, I'm, you know, I'm not going to make Commonwealth Games because you have to go as obviously a parent. 
Um, but yeah, no, luckily he, he recovered in time. Um, and then he had to walk out at the Commonwealth Games opening ceremony. You know, that I guess that was the, achieving, you know, the uh, the dream of a lifetime, really. So it was it was pretty surreal as well. Um, I guess emotional because the people that would help you to get on that journey, you know, went around. But, you know, you, you kind of remembered them and stuff. So it was... Um, yeah, it was an amazing experience, uh, and one I'll never forget. And Dave's journey continued when he started mentoring and consulting with the Olympic track and weightlifting team, connecting with the athletes, and becoming one of the official sports psychologists for the 2012 Olympic Games. It was a massive opportunity, and you know, for me personally, having done the, the, the athletic the track and field, my dream was to go to the Olympics, but for one reason or another, I got injured. So I was never. I, I thought I'd never make a major game. So the, I guess the next best route was to to go as a member of staff. Um, so I was on course to do that. So it was going to be, you know, the greatest show on earth, highlights of your career. But another dark cloud comes into Dave's life, trying to derail him from his Olympic dream. Six months before the 2012 Olympic Games, Dave's father is diagnosed with cancer, a cancer so bad. It spreads through his body, infecting his lungs, spine, and brain. So 2012 comes around. I'm all excited, stoked to be going to the Olympics. I was going to be working with the weightlifting team and also the cycling team at the Paralympics. But then in the January of 2012, my dad got diagnosed with cancer. And that was kind of like it all happened suddenly. I think so. Got into the hospital, had the scans, so forth. And then it had cancer in the, the lungs, the brain, spine. You know, he was riddled with it. I guess you're there, then he'd have to overcome um, pneumonia in hospital. So between the, the January and then the March, when he finally passed away, like really intense. Um, at the same time, though, you've still got to be able to kind of remove that to then go to work, to then help with the preparation for these guys that are wanting to make the Olympic Games. So th there was that kind of sense of just put it to one side and then be able to support care advise you know, these athletes and, and you know to be honest it was hard because kind of puts everything into reality you know like yeah you're going to compete whereas my dad's dying in hospital um but that was my commitment i'd made to the athletes as well you see so i you know that was something i, I didn't just kind of shy away from it remember that book delivering happiness just imagine losing your father and not being able to express your grief because you're committed to helping others achieve their dream. That's what Dave had to do. A selfless act, putting his grieving on the shelf and delivered happiness, support, advisement for the next four months so that these Olympians could fulfill their dreams. And it was not only the Olympics Dave was a part of, but also the Paralympics. And as he's prepping for the Paralympics, he gets a phone call. From a mom. I don't know. At this point, then the only time I got a phone call was it's bad news. So, so I was prepared, and then she said my nan had had a stroke. So I was like, right, okay, here we go. So I kind of get, gets. I was living living over near, near Manchester. Get back over to Liverpool, see my nan, and then she'd had a stroke. And then, unfortunately, yet again, that happened all so fast. She she died on her birthday. So it was pretty pretty horrendous time. And then the week after, then I had to go down to the holding camp in Wales for the Paralympic team. So having dealt these two, so it was a really traumatic time, you know, but yet again, I guess being the professional, the psychologist, you know, you had to kind of put it to one side and then think, right, I've got to now 
support these guys, you know, with, with their kind of dreams again. So it was, um, but there's not a lot out there, I guess, on the psychology of the psychologist. You know, how, the, how do they deal with the stress? How do they kind of put themselves in a place to be in order to help others? I mean, that must have been really, really hard to do. And how do you stay focused and committed to that while, you know, not allowing yourself to be distracted to something that you have to do? You have to grieve over that. So, yeah, so I mean, it was, um, I guess, the, everything I've been through, but I was still able to kind of not, you know, I guess I guess what I put done essentially was put the grief on hold in order to do my job, you know, so I was still able to kind of function, you know, and I guess well, everyone else around me was, you know, obviously dealing with the emotion of the events and stuff. I was numb, you know, I just wanted to get through it, get to the end. Um, and I guess the, the one poignant thing was going to the, the closing ceremony as we're walking in. Like the song they were playing was a song they played at my dad's funeral. So I guess at that point I was just like, you know, yeah, this is, this is, it was tough, but it was, so in, in a sense, it was like the kind of the best year of my life from a career point of view, but also on a, on a personal level, emotional level, it was the worst. So it's like a yin yang of a year, really. So it's just a year I won't forget, let's put it that way. Every goal and dream Dave set his mind to, he accomplished. From getting recruited to play athletics in college, to reaching the podium on the world stage, and being part of his home country's Olympic team. But nothing fulfilled his desire of achieving greatness until he designed a program for inner city kids, teaching and training them in track and field. My most memorable moment was back in 2000 and 2005, 2006, when I was a teacher. So I come, when I come back from the UK, I had began a, te- a career in teaching, you know, to give back. Basically, I devised a track and field program. So my passion in school, after school, at these guys, I think they were like 12, 13 years old. But I had them on a full-time training program. And the thing with like in Liverpool, you know, the hard kids, but once you got them on side, they'll run through brick walls for you. So, you know, they're very loyal being uh, from Liverpool. So anyone who's listening will understand that, hopefully. Basically, I put them on this um, this training program and give provided them with a lot of experiences to track and field. You know, from sports hall, which is kind of like a modified version, just getting them into that competitive environment, um, just racing indoors, etc. So then, there's a competition we entered as a school, and it starts off with 500 schools in the nation, and we managed as the only comprehensive school. We were against a lot of um, private schools. We managed to get to the final. So we made the top 12 in the whole whole of the UK. Um, we get to, we're down south south of England in Essex. So the guys, two of the guys had done the um, track event, which was hurdles, and the smash into the hurdles, hurt their ankles. So then they're like, sir, sir, you know, like my ankles saw, I've got to do long jump. So I was like, right, okay, let's tape it up. So taping up that, but they were like, you know, yeah, they just give everything. Um, they went and did PRs in the long jump, you know, and we managed to finish ninth. You know, so for these kids that had never done any competitive track and field to then be the ninth best school in the nation and the only comprehensive school, no, that was my most memorable um, sporting experience. So, you know, despite everything I've done personally, I think my, my thing was always to see, you know, the smiles on their faces, the experience that I provided with them. Um, you know, and people think, well, who, that, who are they? What school was it? You know, it was nothing major. But, you know, for me, that, that was my kind of most exciting and most memorable um, even though I've worked with 
you know, a lot of Olympic athletes, world champions. You know, that was that was the best one to date. Dave explains that the secret sauce to being great, from his athletic experiences to working with and alongside some of the best athletes in the world, the one thing that defined them from everyone else, their burning desire and resilience. And it helps to be from Krypton, which apparently is secretly located in Liverpool, England. Our next show will be with Derek Redmond, the Olympic sprinter who pulled his hamstring in the semifinals of the 1992 Olympic Games, and his father came out of the stands to help him cross the finish line. On Your Mark is edited, produced, and hosted by me, Lou Dondero. If you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes as it helps me make the show better.